a reading from the book of Revelation. I, John, saw another angel come up from the east, holding the seal of the living God. He cried out in a loud voice to the four angels who were given power to damage the land and the sea. Do not damage the land or the sea or the trees until we put the seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. I heard the number of those who had been marked with the seal, 144,000 marked from every tribe of the children of Israel. After this, I had a vision of a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation, race, people, and tongue. They stood before the throne and before the Lamb, wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, Salvation comes from our God, who is seated on the throne and from the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They prostrated themselves before the throne, worshiped God, and exclaimed, Amen, blessing and glory, wisdom and thanksgiving, honor, power, and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders spoke up and said to me, Who are these wearing white robes, and where did they come from? I said to him, My Lord, you are the one who knows. He said to me, These are the ones who have survived the time of great distress. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Verbum Domini.
reading from the first letter of St. John. Beloved, see what love the Father has bestowed on us, that we may be called the children of God. Yet, so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we shall be has not yet been revealed. We do know that when it is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope based on him makes himself pure, as he is pure. Verbum Domini. Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Mateum. Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for this is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. Ebum Domini. On this solemnity of all saints, the church commemorates not only the saints in heaven who have been canonized and are officially recognized and venerated in the liturgy, but also all of those saints who are in heaven who are completely unknown to us. You know, saints who have been canonized are not the only people in heaven, and thanks be to God for that. There are countless more people of whom we are unaware and we will likely only find out once we, God willing, ourselves get to heaven. And who knows, we may even be surprised by those who we find in heaven. And there are many faithful Catholics throughout history, we might call them unsung heroes, whom history has completely forgotten and that they lived lives of humble, silent virtue. You know, perhaps they were simple peasants, or they were farmers, or carpenters, or refugees, who lived a life of obedience to the law of God and to the law of the church. And they received the sacraments, and they were faithful to their state in life. And they weren't just trying, they weren't trying to make their mark on the world. They were just living, simple, holy lives. They loved God, they loved their spouses, their children, their neighbor, and even their enemies by praying for them, by serving them, and by helping them to draw closer to the Lord. Now as Catholics, we confess in the Apostles' Creed that we believe in the communion of saints. This is a teaching that is part of the doctrine of the faith. And so it must be believed. And yet a person might object to this by saying something like, 
doesn't honoring and venerating Mary and the saints take away from the worship that is due to God alone? Why should we pray to the saints for their intercession when we can simply go directly to God? Well, the first question regarding the honor and veneration given to the saints already implies a false presupposition. Namely, that honoring the saints is the same as worshiping them. You know, the question might not have said that, but that's the implication. And as traditional Catholic teaching has consistently maintained, this is patently false. Veneration and worship or adoration are not the same acts. In fact, Catholic teaching distinguishes between three terms that describe the precise sort of veneration that is due to the saints and the adoration that is due to God alone. You know, first we have dulia, which is a type of veneration that is given to the saints. And it is in no way equivalent to the adoration owed to God alone. It's, you can even think of the veneration that we owe to our parents. You know, God commands that we honor our father and our mother. That's a type of veneration that we are to give to our parents, that we owe to our parents. And then the next level is hyperdulia. This is another term, hyperdulia. And this is the unique veneration that is given to the Blessed Virgin Mary, who is queen of all saints, queen of heaven and earth, and the mother of God. And yet even this sort of lofty veneration does not even come close to constituting worship or adoration. Now, the term latria denotes the adoration or the worship that is given to God alone. Hence, in venerating the saints, we are in no way detracting from the worship of God. In fact, such veneration magnifies God's glory. As the Roman Catechism explains, this is the Catechism of the Council of Trent, it says, to honor the saints who have slept in the Lord, to invoke them and to venerate their sacred relics and ashes, far from diminishing, tends considerably to increase the glory of God. In proportion as man's hope is thus animated and fortified, and he himself encouraged to imitate the saints. So it's the example of the saints that inspires us to seek holiness, that, gives, that strengthens and fortifies our hope of eternal life. We're looking at those who have made it, and it shows that it is possible for every single one of us. It's supposed to inspire us to virtue. And a good analogy in understanding the honor that we give to the saints is to think of an artist and to think of his work of art. When we express admiration and honor for a particular work of art that is beautifully made, we are not in any way detracting from the artist who made it. You know, it would be ridiculous and perhaps even prideful for the artist to say, hey dummies, look at me. You know, praise me 
and not my art. Rather, the artist would, be, would more likely take pride in his work and would be honored by any praise given to his work. Likewise, when we honor the saints and their merits, we are not in any way detracting from the honor given to God. In fact, they would not even be saints in the first place, and this includes the Blessed Mother, had it not been for the working of God's grace in their lives. So the fact that they are saints in the first place is a testament to the work of God. When we honor the saints, we necessarily magnify the honor and glory given to God because we are honoring his masterpieces. They are his works of art. Now the Roman Catechism provides an even greater reason for the honor that we give to the saints. It says, a stronger claim which the saints have to be honored and invoked is that they constantly pray for our salvation and obtain for us by their merits and influence many blessings from God. If there is joy in heaven over the conversion of one sinner, will not the citizens of heaven assist those who repent? When they are invoked, will they not obtain for us the pardon of sins and the grace of God? This should be an extremely comforting thought for each one of us, you know, who are members of the church militant on earth. You know, those of us who continue to engage in the battle for our own souls and for the souls of those we love. We enjoy the constant intercession of countless saints who have gone before us and have gained the victory of heaven by the grace of God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And this leads us to the second objection that I mentioned earlier, questioning why. Why do we pray to the saints when we can simply go directly to God? Now some will argue that we have only one mediator between God and man, and that is Jesus Christ. And this of course is true. We have one mediator between God and man. It is through Jesus alone who has obtained our salvation by the shedding of his blood that we have access to the Father. And it is through no other means. However, this does not somehow make it unlawful for, other, for others to pray on our behalf and to pray for us on our behalf. It is a common practice among Catholics and even among Protestant denominations to ask other people to pray for them. Well, why would you ask other people to pray for you when you can simply go to Jesus yourself? You know, the fact is that we perceive that certain people are closer to God than others. You know, we perceive that certain people among the living are very holy or at least are in a state of consecration to God. And so we have a tendency to go to those people to ask for their intercession. And even St. Paul himself in his epistles asks for the intercession of those to whom he writes. 
And we do this on a natural level when we perhaps ask a person's relative to talk to someone on our behalf. You know, because that relative is closer to them than we are. They might be more receptive than they would be to us. And this reminds me of an episode of the sitcom Everybody Loves Raymond, when uh, Raymond's brother, goes, uh, Robert, goes to their mother to ask Raymond on his behalf to drive him to a place that's four hours away, you know, where they're holding an autograph signing with some baseball players from the 1969 New York Mets. And he doesn't think that Raymond will agree to go if he asks him himself. So he tries to finagle Raymond by going to their mother and asking their mother to intercede on his behalf. You know, because of their close relationship, he'll listen to his mother. Well, the saints in heaven are even closer to Jesus than any living person on earth. And so it makes perfect sense that we would ask those who are closest to Jesus to pray for us, to intercede on our behalf. And even whether we ask for their intercession or not, they're interceding for us, whether we know it or not. And even those Protestants who reject this notion of praying to the saints, the saints are praying for them as well, whether they know it or not. So as we honor all the saints in heaven on this great solemnity, we humbly ask their intercession, their gracious intercession on our behalf, that they might assist us by their merits, which are joined to the merits of Christ's sacrificial death on the cross. You know, they do not merit anything on their own. They are completely united to Jesus Christ. And so that's how their merits have an effect, the merits of their virtues, of their good works. So that we might remain without sin, in a state of grace, and one day a share in the joy of the blessed in heaven as we contemplate the face of God for all eternity.